welcome to episode number 233 of the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. It's playoff time. The CFL playoffs are here. It's about dang time. 21 weeks of regular season in the books. We're down to six teams left and off to the playoffs we go. We're here to preview the entire 2023 CFL playoffs here tonight. We'll do a detailed breakdown of each of the division semifinal matchups. We'll also give you our full playoff predictions before the night ends. And we've got a couple other topics along the way first. We are also live on a variety of different platforms. Thanks to presenting sponsor GameTime TV. You can learn more at GameTimeTV.ca. Uh, and we'll take your comments. We'll take your questions in the live chat throughout the night here. So make sure you send those in. I'm Ryan, joined here tonight by Trey and Mike. Mike is back for the first time uh, in a while. Uh, so let's start with you, Mike. Playoff time brings you back. Uh, are you the? We were debating this before the show. Are you the Andrew Harris of the podcast, the Nikita Kucherov of the podcast? Uh, who are you? And uh, welcome back, my friend. Is this thing on? Am I talking? Am I live? How do I do this? I know I've been sitting in this chair. No, just kidding. Um, good evening. It's great to be back. Um, yeah, I had a good start to the season. Uh, all things considered on my end, and uh, now I'm able to come back for the playoffs. And I'm not sure if people have missed my spicy hot takes, but we're about to find out. Oh, we we could always use a little more big mic energy in the podcast. So, uh, happy to have you back, my friend. And joining us as usual as well as Trey. Trey, I see you got the Halloween candy going there. You know, good. Damn good right, man. Parent, parent tax, man. Parent tax. You got to take, you got got to test it out. I keep hearing these rumors that people put marijuana candy in these. I haven't found any yet. <laughs> but anyway, that's great here. Three hours in the ER today, boys, but I'm alive. I'm well. Oh, man. Never put glass in a garbage bag because somehow an idiot will forget it's there and slice his hand open. So anyway. Well, we're happy you were able to power through and make it here tonight. Uh, unfortunately, we thought we were going to have the full, full four, but uh, the full crew here tonight. But Adam, uh, Adam was tied up last minute, so he couldn't make it. So you get the three of us. But you know, people in our Discord community have been clamoring for more of that uh, Trey and Mike banter. So uh, looking forward tonight here with the two of you. Of course, I mentioned the Discord community. You want to join it there's a link in the episode description it's free to join we've got uh, cfl discussions nfl discussions all that fun stuff going on in there uh with us and other members of the the community and yes that is mystery mike here this evening making his return before we get into today's topics we do want to acknowledge that the canadian football countdown is brought to you from treaty one territory traditional territory of the anishinaabe Cree. Ojakree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. I, All I right. Think, I, I was going to bring Mike down. You know how the Grinch's heart grew two and a half sizes? Mike's head has grown about <laughs> that since everyone's saying happy that he's back. I can just see him smiling in the middle of my screen, and it's, I just want to vomit. <laughs> Uh, he's muted. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> Myelin, smirking, take it whatever way you will. I miss Mike. It's been so long. It's it's great to have you back. Uh, Trey, I missed you as well, even though it's only been a week. Oh, uh, it's too long, man. Yeah, exactly. 
All right, first topic we're going to get into here. The CFL Division Award winners have been announced, and we spent a good amount of time on last week's episode uh, talking through who we thought would be the Division Award nominees uh, based on the Team Award winners. Um, if you missed that episode, go back, check that out as well. We're not going to rehash a lot of that, but we had a great time chatting through that with a member of our community, Rick Picaccio, FM fan, our Fantasy League winner. Uh, so that was a good episode there. I had a lot of fun with that one. Uh, but let me run through for you who are the East and West nominees, and then we'll get your guys' reactions here and see if there are any surprises uh, for you. So We'll start off most outstanding uh, player in the West is Brady Oliveira. In the East is Chad Kelly. Most outstanding defensive player, Matthew Betts from the Lions. Darius Pickett from the Argos. Most outstanding Canadian, Brady Oliveira gets a second nod there. Marc-Antoine Decroix for the Alouettes, defensive back uh, out East. Offensive lineman is Jamarcus Hardrick and Dijon Allen. Special teams, Sean White, uh, kicker for the Lions. Javon Lee, kick returner for the Argos. Uh, most outstanding rookies, Kai Gray of the Elks versus Quantez Stiggers of the Toronto Argonauts. And then coach of the year. That's one I guess we didn't talk about last week. Mike O'Shea of the Bombers, Ryan Dinwiddie of the Argos. These awards heavily dominated by the top team from each division. Uh, let's go to you first, Mike, because we didn't really get any takes from you last week uh, on the awards. Any surprises among this list at all for you? Um, no, and particularly, I think when it pertains to the local football team, uh, when you are as good as you've been for the last number of years, um, that's funny, Richard. Um, but no, I, seriously, the debate between Kalaros and Oliveira, to be honest, I, I think they got it right. Um, you know, it is voted by the local members, of course, and then the head coach. Um, you know, there's voter fatigue maybe setting in after, uh, you know, over, or so not over, but Klaus wins it two years in a row. Um, this is the issue that I think a lot of leads run into is certain teams have more than one candidate, uh, more than one deserving candidate. And unfortunately, only one gets nominated because every team needs to nominate somebody. Um, personally, I think that should be changed, but that's a discussion for another day. But ultimately, um, it was the the one that I'm really, really happy about, and you'll have to help me with this, Ryan, at the Montreal Most Outstanding Canadian at Detroit. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were really pumping his tires um, about halfway through the season and going forward um, for All-Star. And you know what? They got that right, um, too. So very underrated player. Very, very happy uh, that he got the recognition. Um, I guess by admission, you know, the Ardo's running away with that division kind of kind of makes those nominees slam dunkish. Um, but again, he, he gets it all very gets it, deserving both ways. And no surprises for me the rest of the way. I'm, I'm just very, very happy about that Duquois, but he's finally getting uh, some recognition. But I think it's, 
very well deserved. Absolutely agree. Trey, what do you think? Uh, I know we talked through a lot of these names last week. Any surprises or any uh, hot takes on, on the nominees here? I'm actually a little surprised. And I'm not saying because he doesn't deserve it. I'm surprised Oliveira got the double nod. And not because he doesn't deserve it. I think he does. But like we saw before, Mike was kind of talking about just, you know, voter fatigue. Do, do guys want to vote for the same guy in two different categories? Because I know we kind of had the same debate with Rourke last year. Maybe the Rourke's playing time played a factor into it, right? But other than that, man, who cares? If any, if you ask any of these guys up here, there's one trophy they want to win, and that's uh, in a couple of weeks in Hamilton, right? So let's just talk about the games. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I think my biggest take on this, I mean, you look at this list, every nominee is from the Argos, the Bombers, and the Lions, except for Decois for most outstanding Canadian from Montreal, and then Kai Gray, most outstanding rookie from the Elks. And, and I thought the West Division rookie race was pretty weak this year uh, across the board. So, yeah, you know, I, everything I, dominated by these three teams yeah, that sounds like the 2023 season for me because it was these three teams and then the rest of the field and Montreal. You know, Montreal could have been in competition maybe for a number of these awards. They played well, but Montreal's biggest problem was beating the three teams ahead of them who also finished higher in all of these awards. So I think this accurately reflects the season, does it not? Yeah, and listen to that. I, I think it's really interesting and speaks to the state of the rookie game when the top team in the West has to nominate their punter. No offense to Jameson Sean or Sheen, whatever his name is. Um, You know, for whatever reason, this is not a very strong rookie class. Certainly not the Dalton Schoen-esque type of slam dunk, but for the most part, I think the CFL voters, for the most part anyway, get these nominees right, uh, the finalists right. Um, yeah, I think it's, you know, difficult to see, you know, the top teams always get the repeated nominees and the finalists and all that. But truly, they're the best for a reason. Their teams were the best for a reason. And, you know, I, I, I think in fairness to the CFL, it's one of the true leads that actually gets it right when it comes to selecting the people that most deserve to be selected. So kudos to that, and we'll see who wins the the ultimate award. I think, I think a lot of them aren't as cut and dry as people are making them out to be, and I, I'm actually very, very curious. Um you know, the the one thing, too, that I just kind of observed, it seems like the Stanley Bryan Award just changed hands, uh, you know, to the to J- Jamarcus Hardrick. But, you know, the long-standing joke has been that it's the Stanley Bryan, you know, Offensive Lineman Award. But, again, by and large, I think the voters got this right, and I – it's great to see them take stuff like this seriously because it is a privilege to be able to vote for any uh, lead top awards. And I'm just happy that they took it serious. I hate, I hate voting for the horse racing awards every year. It's the worst thing I hate doing because you just don't want to mess up, you know? 
Yeah, I, I mean, it. we haven't gotten the all-star teams announced yet, but let's hope when they do, they actually announce them properly on the first try this no. year, unlike no. last year, right? You know, you talk about taking it seriously. Maybe maybe let's try a little harder than we did last year in regards to those. Um, moving on to our next topic here, the, uh, the CFL regular season is in the books. Every team played their nine home games, although I think the Argos didn't get one fully at home. We've got the, uh, the CFL attendance numbers, uh, the average attendance been recorded here. Trey, you sent us a screenshot earlier from Three Down Nation uh, listing the uh, the average attendances here. Uh, Winnipeg's at the top with 30,449, uh, followed by Saskatchewan, Edmonton, BC, Hamilton, Calgary, Ottawa, Montreal, and Toronto. Uh, what numbers specifically caught your eye when you saw this that made you want to uh, discuss it? How the hell is Saskatchewan so high? <laughs> Like, you know, that was one stadium that I didn't think looked that full. And I guess it could be the old argument, tickets sold versus tickets there. But that was one I kind of thought was Saskatchewan still did pretty good for a, for a team who what was eliminated a few weeks with a season ago. And I just, and uh, so I'm just trying to, where, where, which channel did I put this in? I'm trying to find it. The, the episode planning channel. Did I? Okay, perfect. Because I don't have it here. Um, Working off one hand. Edmonton, you know, I'm actually surprised. A lot of these teams, I think the East kind of looked better this year, I thought. And I don't know, because you have to compare it. Like, a lot of these, I mean, Toronto Argonauts are putting more in than the Winnipeg Jets are. <laughs> about So, you know, so I don't know. Does Toronto at 14,000 still a concern to you guys? No, because it's rising. Like, they, they're they done very well this year. They've seen their, what was it, their highest ticket sales in seven years? Like, the number was small. It's not going to jump up from 14,000 to 30,000 overnight, right? I mean, Winnipeg during the dark years at IGF, wasn't it, what, in the 23, 24,000 range for a couple of years there? And now it's back up to 30. So these numbers are going to rise and fall. And, you know, it could be interesting to talk about which ones we see rising and falling going forward here. Uh, what do you think, Mike? Yeah, I, I've been. The graphic that uh, Trey is referring to, or we're referring to right here, had everybody a, a modest increase. I think that's what I saw. Um, I, I took a lot to be the consistent schedule, to be honest. Um, we knew that there was a game on Thursday in the summer. We know that there's a game on Friday. They seem to have some consistency on Saturday. And in the summer, they added a added a uh, a Sunday game, and then they put that Sunday game in the double header on Saturday and a double header on Friday. Like to me, I think the CFL needs to be commended for the way they schedule these games. Um, I know the schedule matrix takes a lot of flat where he misses matchups, uh, such as I don't know how boldly by Mitchell doesn't go back to Calgary this year. Uh, I'm, I'm on other types of scenarios. But the the lead has done a good job of being consistent with its TV partners. We knew there was a game on at a certain time. Uh, I think going away from double headers uh, in the early part of the season and spreading the wheat out over four days uh, does the best for the TV. And people know when to go to the games. And, you know, in, in the eyes of... Um, you know, specifically the Bombers, because that's the teams that I go to the most. Um, they have increases because, and we're seeing these 
casual football fans that have never been to a football game coming and then going again and again and again and again. And I, I think the CFL has learned from one another about, you know, what a good sort of product is for um, its teams and what's good for business. And, you know, I, you know, I, I know that uh, you and I, Ryan, had this discussion about how I was so annoyed about, you know, the 30-minute overlap in the fall. But then he brought up the point that, oh, if it caters toward the, the home market, like Calgary gets a, you know, a 7.30 start over a uh, 8 o'clock start, yeah, that makes a difference, right? Because the CFL still is and probably always will be for the foreseeable future a gate-driven lead. Oh, yeah. It's not getting away from the gate-driven league until they increase their digital presence, which they're right. so far so, away from. So to me, I think the lead as a whole, encompassed by the scenarios that I just laid out about consistent schedule, we know when the games are. Uh, attendance numbers were boosted, and I have not seen a stat about the about the TV numbers, but from what I saw, most weeks those were on the upswing. They've gone well. up a lot, so, yeah. All in all, business pretty good. Let's see if we can build the schedule on the same lines next year. I have a, there's a quick thing that came to my head. Do you think that the missed season and the half season, because kind of the same thing when we see in hockey lockout, the fans realize that we need our football and maybe they're coming back a little bit? Interesting. I Because I, I think the concern coming out of the the COVID to, and the late start and all the drama, was it? yeah, it was last year because we did all those off-season shows and then celebrated the return of the CFL and then they didn't have the CBA done after all. That was fun. Um I think the general perception during that time was that it was going to take a hit coming out of it because everybody moved on to other things, right? Um, but, yeah, did we miss football at all? I, I mean, I was definitely more excited for a season opener than ever before in the first one I went to post that. Uh, so I think I think there's some validity to that, probably a bit of both. Some people moved on, others, uh, you know, missed it more and are, one of those opportunities to get back to you know social events post i say post pandemic obviously stuff still going around but so yeah i think there was a little bit of both that played into that but you know attendance seems to be rising and falling i'd love to see a trend of the these numbers like over the past five years or so, because where was BC at on this chart five years ago is what I want to know. Now they're up to, you know, the fifth, the fourth highest at 23,000 and Amar Doman has done amazing things there. Whereas, you know, Calgary's sitting at 21,000. They have the fourth lowest attendance in the league. This is a team that won at home year after year. You know, you were going to a fun night at McMahon stadium and now the team's struggling a little bit more. And also I've heard the game day experience is just, not great at, at McMahon Stadium anymore. So what do these numbers look like next year? What do you think, Trey? Do you think we're going to see uh, some of these teams like I could see like Calgary and Ottawa based on their teams play lately and Saskatchewan taking some big hits uh, here? Maybe a team like Toronto rising even further? What do you think? 
Yeah, I, guess, I, I I mean, I hope and I could see Montreal and Toronto maybe rising a little bit. I wonder if the new ownership to another full year or full off season with ownership might drive up ticket sales a bit. Um, Toronto, you never like I. <sighs> you know, when I, I only went to one game and it was banner raising night, but it seemed pretty packed there. Like, you know, and, and I mean, it's not the biggest stadium, it, you know, but obviously tfc must be able to make it work i mean they got a little bit bigger tv deal and they probably sell out a little bit more but tfc was also the worst team in mls this year i believe so i mean if they're able to do it um i want Toronto to go up i could see saskatchewan dropping edmonton i'm still kind of surprised is number three but does that because of the low ticket number like prices probably i assume this is ticket attendance right like tickets purchased for games is what we're talking about here that's the only way the riders number that's makes what i mean sense there too that's what right I mean. so, so is it because edmonton prices were so low when they're on that losing streak is that why they're so high and they gave away all the free tickets because they kept losing at home so yeah and then isn't bc opening up a lower their upper deck next year or is that them that did it or someone was opening up their upper deck more they're opening it up more like they've opened it up for a few games this year. Edmonton's actually closing yeah. their upper deck for next year to bring people in tighter because the attendance is going down. I'm curious what's I'm, I'm curious what Edmonton's like capacity is because that's a huge stadium. It's like 35,000. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm kind of I thought it was even bigger than that. But anyway. Do you know, Mike, the capacity of Commonwealth? I'll it's Google it right 60, It's almost seven, 60 or 70,000 full from top to bottom. Yeah, that's what uh, I think. Dang, that's double it's what huge. I thought it was. Oh, it's huge because of what it was built for. Yeah, it's for the, it's for the, for the uh, top of the <laughs> teams. Uh, 60,081. Oh, yeah, you're never hitting those numbers no. anytime soon. Close that up. No, 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 exactly. So, but I mean. It's still nice to think that we have a 60,000 stadium in our league. So, one day. But, guys, I think in general, the CFL has been a 24,000 people attendance per game lead. Um, That seems to be the benchmark. Um, You know, the days of you don't need as much as you want Winnipeg crowds of, you know, 30-plus thousand. I think realistically 25, 24, 25,000 for as much as the CFL is a date-driven lead, I think it's very, very respectable. And I think every team deserves credit because I think every team had a raise. Um, Not sure about Calgary now, but I think about it. But, you know, attendance with each team ebbs and flows, right? I mean... When the Bombers built their stadium and were doing all the losing, you couldn't, uh, you know, some nights you could only get 21, 22,000 in there. And, you know, that was a very, very successful type of night. And then now all this winning has, you know, them pushing, you know, 29, 30,000 on the verge of a, on the verge of a fifth street sellout at the West final. If that happens, um, Winning is your biggest, I guess, recipe for getting people out to your to your games. Aside from, you know, ultimately fan experience, and I, I just think that uh, that's going to benefit everybody. And I, I didn't to compare 
Saskatchewan with Ottawa and Winnipeg with, you know, Toronto, it's not really a, a fair argument based on where both markets are as far as CFO appeal. You know what I mean? So I, I think a lot of people say, oh, you know, Winnipeg does 30000 Saskatchewan does 26000 Toronto only does fourteen or 15000 Why, right? And everybody kind of drives, everybody kind of just drives, you know, each other crazy about, you know, trying to make these market comparisons. Well, Saskatchewan has different market dynamics to worry about. Toronto has different market dynamics to work with. Um, then Winnipeg does. Winnipeg doesn't necessarily have, you know, a lot of summer sports teams. Most home games are in the summer, right? Toronto, you're battling the Blue Jays, right? So different market dynamics make uh, fan attendance sort of benchmarks different. And I, I think to compare one market to, to the one market to the next, I think it's a very it's a very tricky game to play because everybody had different circumstances. I know I know that was a long rant, but I think as long as everybody's increasing over the over year to year and not dropping too too much, um, attendance is just one of those things with ebbs and flows. It's- just like video subscribers to a to a YouTube show, right? You have one week you have that number of people watching, next week you have that number of people watching. You know, it, it comes and goes. It's like golf. I, I, I think it's like golf. Like golf's a sport where, yeah, you're competing against other people, but you're really not. You're competing to improve over yourself uh, from previous times. And that's really all you want from these teams, right? Is like, like you said, are they increasing in attendance? Are they at least staying the same? If they're going down, either the product on the field or the product off the field has some sort of issues. But like you said, winning does lead to increased numbers in some cases. And so does going on a championship run, which uh, is uh, how we'll transition into our next topic here and start talking about these playoffs. Uh, And let's talk about your air quotes, ideal Grey Cup matchups. So we've got three teams eliminated, final six teams out west. We've got the Bombers. Uh, we've got the Lions, we've got the Stamps out east, we've got the Argos, the Ticats, and the Alouettes. Um, Trey, you have proposed a couple of very interesting questions to us this week before we get into the matchups and do our full predictions of what we think will happen. The questions you asked were, what do you want to see the most and why? So uh, let's fire it back to you first since you thought of the question. Uh, which, which matchup would you like to see? Oh man, I want uh, this was this was the one I was having trouble with. The second one I have later, I have a better answer for. This what do I want to see? And I was trying to take my um, bomber fan hat off a little bit because obviously I want to see them in it. If I'm going to be fully honest, but if I had to take the way, what what matchup do I'm more excited to see? See, there's a little part of me, and if I wasn't a bomber fan, I kind of want to see something other than Winnipeg and Toronto. Uh, maybe Toronto wouldn't mind as much, but Winnipeg, uh, I can understand where the other fans are going to be sick of seeing them all the time. But do we want Calgary Hamilton? Do we want the Bull Levi Calgary? Do we want that? Do we want BC having their chance? I, I think I'm going to stick with Winnipeg Toronto because it's going to tie into my second question later. I think it's what most people 
are going to want to see the 15 and three team versus the what uh, 13 and four or five, whatever the bombers are. So I think that's what people are going to want. Do you guys have kind of the similar thoughts? Mike, what do you think? What's your ideal matchup? What would you like to see? I think Winnipeg had off. I I think, to be honest, the CFL needs Winnipeg in the race out. The, the, the TV numbers suggest that Winnipeg and Saskatchewan drive this lead TV numbers. All you need to do is look at a week where they're both on buys and relative to the TV numbers, or one of them is on buy relative to TV numbers. I think I think there's a unique, compelling story to the Bombers being in four straight great cups. Um, the Ardo's TV market has always been strong. Um, I think if I'm a TV executive, I'm, I'm hoping for not something too crazy, but people will still want to watch. But, yeah, you, you know, I, I just I have to wonder if that bomber winning thing that's been going on here for the last, you know, three, four seasons is starting to wear thin with people outside of the market. But in the same sense as I said earlier, I'm also opposite of Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, among other teams, you know, really drive the TV numbers. Montreal is good for the French market. They had strong French TV numbers all season. Um, yeah, so it's a really, it's a pit your poison. I mean, <coughs> the odds suggest that, you know, the teams hosting the, Division finals have the best chance of making the great top. And I think you just got to go with what comes. Um, as far as my ideal matchup, it, to me, something completely different personally would be like a BC Montreal. Um, something that we haven't seen in quite some time. Uh, a Winnipeg Montreal we haven't seen in quite some time. Um, I think for something completely different, Toronto Hamilton need to not win the division, and I think Winnipeg needs to lose the game in the West Final just to do something different. Because if it's Winnipeg Toronto, Winnipeg Hamilton, how many times have we seen that over the last five years, right? Yeah, what is the worst matchup? For me, it might be Winnipeg Hamilton. Just I, I don't know why. Yeah, it's well, it's, it's, third it's, time it's, in four years. It's, it's exactly what I'm telling you about, right? It's that uh, here we go again, same matchup. I think anything but Hamilton in it though is intriguing just because of their just because of their great cup drought. Are they are they finally gonna end that great cup drought? Or how are they gonna find a way to lose another great cup, right? Just yeah. like just like it was with Calgary all those years ago. And you know, people that wanna watch the Great Cup will watch the Great Cup. I just I don't think this is fixated on team A, team B. It helps. But the ultimate product around the Great Cup, you have to give give people reason to watch. I, I'll say this, my ideal matchup is Calgary Toronto. Uh because 
I think it would be a tragedy to not have Toronto make it to the Grey Cup after literally one of the greatest seasons in CFL history. Like they tied the record for wins in a season at 16 and 2, despite having the division locked up since week 12 uh, or whatever it was and playing only half their starters down the stretch. Like this is historically one of the most dominant football teams in the history of football. And I want to see them make it to the finals. You know, that's, it's one of those things where football is a cruel sport. You can have that great of a season, but it's one game goes wrong and you're out. Uh, unlike hockey, for example, basketball, you've got that best of seven. So I want to see the Argos make it there for the chance to repeat as well. But I do also really like cheering for underdogs. And it would be the funniest storyline to have Calgary us talk about how bad they've been all season long after being a dominant force for so many years, only for them to come out and light it up in the playoffs, uh, take down BC, take down the Bombers. And then you also get Calgary versus Calgary East because Toronto steals all their former players uh, in the Grey Cup and just lots of rivalries from both sides. I think that's the matchup I want to see with an honorable mention to Montreal getting in there somewhere just so that they can do the onside punt to win the Grey Cup and drive Trey insane. I do have a Grey Cup, Montreal winning the Grey Cup bet looming on my cool bet account, so I wouldn't mind that happening, so... But their odds to win it now are way better, or the better payoff now if I did it now than preseason, which is pissing me off to no end, but that's okay. Um, but I agree, because we just witnessed probably the worst World Series ratings of all time that just ended, right? So I just was wondering what the CFL's ideal was and would we want, you know, our, our version of Arizona, Texas, which we don't, <laughs> but we'll see what that is. But in fairness, the World Series ratings have been sliding for years. That's not just a Texas Arizona. Oh, that's that's fair. That's fair. But you could see where Arizona Texas is in the draw, like right. Dodgers and uh, Baltimore would have been, right, or, or whatever, right. So that's all I meant. Or a Boston, or a Boston and oh, a yeah. Dodgers, right? You well, I think it's that made the playoffs, Mike. Boston, Boston was worse than the Jays. No, no, but I mean, like. Like I know what you mean, buddy. I know what you mean, buddy. Me, right? You need yeah. your big, big market to drive yeah. the... And that's why I made that Winnipeg-Saskatchewan argument about the TV audience, right? Mm-hmm. One thing about the article, they might not have the best fan support in stadium, but their TV numbers are strong. And Montreal had the French, uh, has the French aspect of their TV with RDS there. So... You know what? To me, you can't, um, as as a lead executive slash front office, I don't think you can go about cheering for certain teams. Uh, I think you just have to let the matchup fall where it falls, and (coughs) the rest is on your marketing and on your TV partner's marketing to get those audiences up. And... I've long said I feel that the Great Cup needs to be moved off of subscription cable and onto CTV. If you truly want the biggest number, you got to make that accessible. Not with subscription. I think you need to put it on CFL Plus, which they're going to do for the international. I think you need to put that on uh, on TSN Plus as well. And I think oh no, to- don't do it. Don't put it on TSN Plus and take it away from me like they no, did no, with no, NFL no. Red Zone. So what I'm saying is you need to have it on TSN and on TSN Plus. You need to get it off of cable and you need to put it on a channel that's accessible for a lot of people 
with CTVS. Yep, I would agree with you. But on that but one. but but that's never gonna happen because yes, and I'll say we're gonna lose major subscription dollars as a result. And right. we pay the we pay to broadcast that game. It's the CFL the the gray cup on CTV is what needs to happen, but it won't happen. So that kind of leads into the other part of this question, which Mike, I think you've kind of answered already as part of your previous answer, which is instead of which matchup would you most like to see for your own preference, what do you think is which matchup is best for the league as a whole and why? So we kind of heard from Mike already about those TV audiences factoring into that. But uh, Trey, you said you had uh, an interesting answer for this one. Oh, no, I just had the same thing as Mike. He took it from me. It just it has to be the Bombers in Toronto, I think. And and it just I was just wondering, because I was looking at what other things are going on Grey Cup week. The Leafs on Grey Cup Sunday play in Sweden at 8 a.m. So there's no Leafs game competing with, competing with the Grey Cup, right? So, you know, the Leaf fans will be drunk by noon watching the Wild beat them in, in Sweden. And then they can watch the Argos lose to the Bombers, right? That'd be perfect, uh, perfect TSN. Uh, yeah, I know you are, Mike. I thought you had no horse in that race, but anyway. <laughs> um, but I, I think it has to be them. But again, because like I said, my worry is, my worry is you don't want this World Series thing to happen, right? And we don't want that to happen. And I feel a like Grey Cup has been going up in the last few years, in this, and take, of course, take grain of salt with the pandemic right but i feel like gray cup has been going up in recent years so you don't want it to get ruined by and i don't want to say ruined because people in calgary would love calgary to make it people in hamilton would love hamilton to make it but when you're growing you want that casual fan right i love baseball but there was nothing that made me want to watch arizona texas you know what i mean but but if this was i wanted to watch philly i watched more philly games than i ever have in the last few weeks i watched more Dodger games when they were playing so there's those teams that you kind of want to watch and get that casual fan right so I think it kind of it, it, I love the new NFL script commercials because if that was a thing in the CFL I think they'd be typing Winnipeg Toronto in in bold print unerasable right well here, here's the interesting thing and I, I think it really encompasses on something else too the gray cup does it benefit the national audience or the market in the team's markets that are playing in the Grey Cup and the home market in which the Grey Cup is being played. It's this age-old argument that we're starting to hear about, oh, the NHL does way too many outdoor games. Well, I talked to a lot of people who were out that outdoor game in, uh, in Alberta this last weekend who absolutely had the time of their lives and loved it. I, I, I think we need to realize that we need to come to a point where certain leads championships, and I would throw baseball into this, aren't national appeal rather than maybe the teams that are in the final and the market in which the game is participating. We've all seen the benefits of having a great cup in Hamilton, a great cup in Toronto, a great cup in Calgary, right? People are embracing it in the moment. Maybe we need to start looking at championship events as not this big national spectacle, but a regional spectacle that involves the teams that are playing and the and the location that's hosting the event. I disagree a yeah, little disagree. bit because yeah. I, I've only been to one Grey Cup. It was the 2015 one you and I went to here, Mike, the yep. Edmonton football team and the Ottawa Red Blacks. And yep. Did they? 
it was a great game and there were fans it wasn't just those fans right like it was fans from it's fans from teams all around the league gathering here so i i think the great cup is a national spectacle for all the fans yeah, but I'm, not, I'm not saying like i'm saying from a national spectacle if if you're not there or your team is not playing in it are you interested in it I think yes. I, I think the championship game, the champ, look, the championship game, I'll say this as somebody who never had an interest in the NFL until the last couple of years. I watched the Super Bowl for many years to admittedly, because everybody watches the Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. So the championship game is still going to be something people are going to watch if they're fans of this league, regardless if their team is in it. Now, I actually have an, a, a different take than you guys on what the best matchup for the league would be. And I get what you're saying about selling that matchup between Winnipeg and Toronto. But if we're talking selling features for the CFL, my one of my biggest selling features for this league is the parody of the league. Like, in, and I know we've had Winnipeg in the finals three straight times and Hamilton's made it a number of years. But if you look back at, like, the past decade or so, I think is what Winnipeg, the only repeat winner of the gray cup in that span, I guess Toronto won in what, like 2012. And then now they won again uh, since then, but we had almost every team, but Hamilton has won a gray cup since 2010, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, So I think having any sort of matchup combo of Calgary, Hamilton uh, or uh, Montreal those teams in there, I think from that standpoint would be best for the league to, you know, we haven't really talked much about the parody this season because Winnipeg, Toronto and BC have wiped the floor with the rest of the league in terms of the overall standings for the most part. So to have these other teams show up in the playoffs and be able to get it done and, and show that this is a league where you can watch any game and it's not predictable, I I think is a selling feature of the league. Uh, so can I, from that can standpoint, I, I'd like to see those. I think it would be good to see those other teams in it. Can Can I just hit on something the chat brought up in the comments? Would a better halftime show make the viewership numbers better? How, how, how many How many people realistically, and I don't mean to pitch, pitch a fight with CFL here, but there's been maybe one great cup halftime show, and maybe it's because I'm not musically inclined as a lot of people, but Really, the Drake Cup halftime show in Calgary was the only artist that I personally knew. Who was that one? I I, I think a lot of people are waiting to see. So my question is, does a better halftime show lead to a better audience number? Yes and no. Or does a halftime? Because to me, I think the CFO has a history of pitting sort of outside the box halftime shows and I'm wondering if that if that's a hit on their their number, like their overall viewership. Oh yeah, how could I forget Cat put in the chat it was Keith Urban. How can I forget they interviewed him for the entire third quarter and had him call play by play of the championship game. So you know what I vote no halftime show if it means we actually have commentators focusing on the football game in the third quarter instead of bringing in the halftime act. Uh, but no, I think it does. I think it does contribute to the numbers a little bit. You get people tuning in. I mean, how many people have been tuning into the NFL over the past number of weeks because Taylor Swift, uh, sure right? Enough. And have suddenly become fans of football. So, you know, you get people 
who want to tune in, see their favorite artist, maybe perform at halftime on the Grey Cup. Maybe they keep the game on. Maybe they have a party going after that. They keep it on a little longer. Hey, this looks actually kind of interesting. Oh, yeah, I'll keep watching a little further. Probably not a large percentage, but you will get some. Trey, what do you think? Editing helps, right? Yeah. Because remember, you're always going up against Sunday night football in the NFL with the way the Grey Cup is situated. Oh, man. I don't know. Because I, I, I kind of am torn, too. Because, like, cause like, let's be honest. How many people are going to watch this year because they want to see Green Day? for? And I'm, Green Day is a decent band. Like, I have no problem with Green Day. But, again, how many people are going to want to watch Green Day and be like, oh, I'll watch three hours of football just to get some Green Day? The and- demographic of the people that are probably excited to see Green Day are a large chunk of them the people that are already excited that's, to watch the football game, right? Yeah. It's unlike getting, you know, a big pop artist who and, might have and a like, fan that doesn't overlap. With Keith Urban, with Keith Urban, do you really think people were like, oh God, I'm going to watch the Great Cup because of Keith Urban? And again, Keith, I'm a country fan. I have no problem with Keith Urban, but how many people do we realistically were going to think that Shania Twain did it a couple of years before that, you know? I'm a huge Nickelback fan, but I wasn't like, oh, I got to watch the year Nickelback was there. You know, they sucked that year, I'm pretty sure. So, I mean, it's and Justin Bieber did it. He sucked, too. You know, like, I don't know what you can do. The one that I really liked was Imagine Dragons at BC, but that was before they were kind of big and then they got big after. But again, it was before they were big. So how many people were like, oh, yeah, I got to watch this because of that? Oh. See, I, I do uh, see because I think we have to stop. I see what you're saying, but we have to kind of sometimes we should compare the NFL and CFL, but sometimes we should stop because yeah, I, I don't who. Oh, it's I don't even like the NFLs this year. Who is it? Um, it's Usher, right? Usher. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not super into that. Rihanna, I wasn't really into. But that one with um, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and Snoop Dogg's doing a blunt on the sideline and 50 cents upside down. OK, that was awesome. But I don't know, like, again, that's just more my taste of music, you know, too. I didn't mind last year's because, again, I'm a big country fan. I love Florida Georgia Line, even though it was only half of them, you know, or whatever people were complaining about. Jordan Josh Ross was good. I saw him again when he opened for Nickelback. Like, they're guys that I've seen. And, again, it's all on taste, and I don't think you're going to hit anything that everyone loves unless you get Taylor Swift, like someone current and now, which the yeah. CFL very rarely does. Yeah, even, I, Carrie, even Carrie Underwood, amazing superstar, but she's not in the prime of her career, right? Like she's on the downside where she's uh, usually doing a residency in Vegas and she's doing Sunday night football and she's getting paid probably ridiculous money. I want to know how they got her. Like, I want to know how they got her. It has to do something with her husband, right, Mike? Pardon me? It has to do something with Carrie Underwood's husband being from Canada, right? It has oh, to. He's from that area, isn't he? You're a listen, big hockey guy. Listen, Trey, money talks. She well, where are they lot- getting money from? She gets a million dollars just for her song to be played on um, on um, Sunday Night Football. We're not paying her that. I couldn't imagine. And if yeah, I was just- paying for it, NBC's paying for it to just what? They're not the number one show in prime time. Well, I don't know. Um, I get why they're paying it, but I don't know how the Hamilton Great Cup Committee or whoever's paying for this got her to do the Friday night that's not even. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. That's that's like you want to talk about FIFA's backroom deals getting Saudi Arabia the World Cup? That must be the biggest backroom deal getting Carrie Underwood. Like I said, somebody knows Mike Fisher. Somebody knows him in yeah. this committee. It has yeah, to be. Yeah. 
Like they've got a great lineup for they well, got a they great do. lineup for the great cup do. this year. That so. was the that was the smartest move I have ever seen from a great tough committee in some time getting a big name like Terry Underwood to do Friday night. But my but my point is my, my only point is she's a big name, but it's still not in the prime where I think we're gonna get people like again, you have to buy tickets for that, correct? That's is it televised yeah. even Friday night? No, I don't even think that's that what I mean. It, it it you're not gonna get new fans because of that. I don't right. think yeah. That's the only issue. If she did the halftime on Sunday, maybe. I think no matter who plays, you'll get a varying degree of a couple new people will tune in uh, and and maybe stick around and watch. You'll have people that skip the halftime show because they're not interested because everybody's got their different tastes. That's when you got to go to the bathroom and get more beers, boys. That's all that matters. Yeah, and check yeah. your uh, check your great cup tickets to see what the score was and if you had it right or whatever. Oh yes, and you buy yes. those fundraiser tickets. All right, let's move into our matchup previews. Let's start out east. The East Division semifinal has the Hamilton Tiger Cats at eight and ten visiting the Montreal Alouettes at eleven and seven. Uh, the uh, the Alouettes are three and a half point favorites. The the over under currently set at forty eight on this game. Uh, the three previous matchups between these teams this year, I believe if I looked at it correctly, Montreal swept the Ticats, uh, in all three games this season, 38 to 12 on June 23rd, 27, 14 on August 5th. And then, uh, just last week in a week that meant nothing besides maybe some gamesmanship for the rematch in the playoffs here, uh, the Alouettes pulled out the 22, 20 win there. So, we're going to run through, uh, you know, what each of our major storyline for these matchups are. We're also going to go through what we normally do at playoff time, which is talk offense, defense, special teams, and coaching, uh, and which team we think has the edge. And then we'll give our usual betting picks here and also do our straight up pick, which team we think is going to advance. Uh, so let's talk, what, what's your biggest storyline for this matchup between Hamilton and Montreal? Let's start with you, Mike. Um familiarity for me i mean these two teams played last week how much of that to be noted um did you say that montreal swept hamilton three times yeah it is very hard to win and beat the same team four times i don't care who you are uh hamilton to me is a much healthier team than they were in any of those three uh any of those three games um Still, I I believe this is going to be the better semifinal of the two. That's just how I see it. But, you know, I'm surprised that line is three and a half because uh, I, I could see this one going one of two ways. A blowout both ways, I could see. Um I'm actually Montreal the favorite three and a half is they give give two points or whatever to the home team. So basically, this is a a, a, a toss up. Um, basically, um, not sure I subscribe to that theory, but we'll see. They give three points, but yeah, so it's basically a pick them on a neutral site. Saying, right. Right. So, right. So- yeah, no, it's it's an interesting game. Um, my storyline is, I hope I'm not taking Ryan's, is the dual quarterback in Hamilton. Is that going to work? You know what I mean? Is Bo, is it between Bo and Powell? Uh, Bo and Schiltz. Oh, Bo and Schiltz. Sorry, yeah, Bo and Schiltz. I don't know. 
this isn't hockey. This is an NHL where you can ride two goalies, you know, for for four rounds, right? I don't know. Can you do? Can you do that? Can you let one guy get enough of a routine going? Is it be still? Is this just their way that it's Bo's the guy, but he's still not a hundred percent? What do you guys think? Is this true? Like, is this? I, I think I think it's happening. I think they are going to split it, but is there an ounce of a chance that they say they're going to so that Montreal prepares for both Bo and Schiltz and then they just play one all game? Uh, maybe, but probably not. I think they will actually continue because it was actually kind of effective for them the past couple uh, of weeks there. And, you know, Hamilton's got experience with this, wasn't it? Uh, the the tw- I want to say 2019, maybe it was 2021, where didn't Jeremiah Mazzoli 19. start? Yeah, Jeremiah Mazzoli started that East final against Toronto, struggled. Dane Evans came in, went to like a perfect like 18 of 18 or something like that, led his yeah. team to the comeback to go to the Grey Cup, got the start in the Grey Cup. Uh, I feel like they almost did that same thing back in 2021. They had a bit of a flip-flop in the playoffs between those two. So Hamilton's used to that. Uh, a little bit with their systems, but yeah, nineteen was the East final where they rotated and then ultimately went with uh, Dane Evans, and then twenty one was the other way around in the Drake Cup. I, I think Bo's going to start. If Bo gets hot, they're going to keep him in. Like, what are you doing if uh, if he comes out flying, throws a couple of touchdowns in the first quarter, and then you say Schultz's turn, like? boys we're in the playoffs now like like the last couple weeks of the regular season i know they meant nothing but we're in the playoffs now like you're not gonna take out the hot quarterback in there so bo's gonna start he's gonna if he struggles early on maybe they're more likely to switch to schultz because he's been playing well lately as well than say if the bombers struggle early are they gonna switch to drew brown if the lions struggle early are they switching to dane evans probably less likely than hamilton is to switch quarterbacks uh what do you think mike Listen, he paid Bo big money. He makes his money in these games. Um, but unfortunately, the track record leading up to this game isn't very dead. Um, sorry, Bo. Time's up. Schultz for me in this game. Do you think they're... Hey, Mike, I, I'd like to piss you off. Do you think they're doing taking a playbook out of the Blue Jays and doing the John Snyder analytics and they'll pull him when he's hot or what? <laughs> No, no I, <laughs> listen. I I just think I can subscribe to the two drives if it's not working. You change, but Bo hasn't shown me to be any kind of consistent uh, because he's been injured so much. Matthew Schultz has a proven track record against Montreal this year. Bo is Bo. Bo is what Bo is. Um. You know, it's it's kind of the age-old saying at this time of year. Your record is and says what you are. Your performance is more likely than not what it is based on previous history. History suggests that Bo's not going to make it through this game. History suggests this year anyway, in short term, Matthew Schultz has more productivity over Bully by Mitchell. Bully by Mitchell might have the pedigree. But to me, it's Matthew Shelton game from start to finish. And I would not want to mess with that. And 
Bo has to understand, but he's not the guy anymore. I, I will give him credit. He did a great, I saw, and I forget who the, the source on this was. I apologize, but I saw a great comment he made in the media where he basically said, I've got a young daughter or multiple, I can't remember, at home who's one day going to grow up and, you know, see clips of me talking in the media and me as a football player. And, like, I want her to know that, like, it's important to be a team player and that, yeah, this is not the role I wanted to carve out necessarily, but, like, I support doing what I need to do for the team. That actually endeared me to Bo Levi Mitchell a little bit. I think he's I, I think he's a great guy. I think he's got a, a big ego. And, you know, maybe, you know, maybe my bone to pick with him has just been the success. And it's more so with the people that still think he's at that high level of success that he used to be right. than it is with him. Uh, I don't have much of a bone to pick with him himself. But I will say this to round up this discussion. If Bo doesn't play in this playoff game or or any of these games in the playoffs for them you better not be coming back next year he doesn't have guaranteed money you better not be paying him that big if you brought him in to be this this level of player and then you're not even starting him when it matters most in the playoffs uh but that's more of a discussion for the offseason you did take my storyline there trey uh but i do have a backup one a quick one here it's can Montreal continue their dominance in games they should win? Uh tweet from John Hodge of Three Down Nation came out a couple of days ago, which just supports what I've been harping on all season for them. The Alouettes went 0-7 against the Lions, Bombers, and Argos this year, but 11-0 against everyone else. They have shut other teams down. They have played their best against these teams they should, and Hamilton is one of those teams. So uh that is just the quick extra storyline from me is can they continue on that role they've been on uh against these teams here let's get into the uh the positional match uh, uh so which team has the edge and we'll, we'll try to go kind of quick through each of these uh we've talked a little bit about what the offense is going to look like there for hamilton with the split quarterbacks uh which team has the edge on offense for you uh let's start with you trey on offense montreal uh because you know what at least they know what quarterback's going to be playing for 16 minutes unless he gets hurt right and i just like you know like what they've done they put up significant point other than the last game you know they put up 38 and 27 against them so I think Montreal should have this in hand unless we do know Fajardo likes to hit the upgrades in the playoffs, right? So unless that happens, but you know, maybe, uh, maybe someone tall enough will jump up and catch it before it hits it. Mike, do you like the Montreal offense or you think Hamilton's got it? No, I like Hamilton just from a running game being more consistent. I think their receiver, they're a touch, a touch deeper than, uh, than Montreal's at this point. And, and I think that, uh, Cody Fajardo has to show me something in the playoffs. Um, he, he just occasionally had these games where he made plays that sort of confused the hat out of a lot of people. Um, slight edge to me for Hamilton, regardless who plays that quarterback. Can I just say one thing? We're all hard on Fajardo, but let's be real. He threw the ball, what, a foot to the left in 2019? We're not talking about a bomber back-to-back Grey Cup, potentially. And it could be Fajardo right now that could be, like, you know, the guy instead of Calaros. Because it's just that one oh, yeah. boink, right? And like, that's and how think, it goes up and down, right? Right, like, because I think Calaros has made a lot of boneheaded decisions, but, too. 
But and the track record that followed that hasn't necessarily been Cody's best friend. No, that's yeah. true. That's true. Because I got, I believe in momentum, and 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 you know, could you imagine hitting that upright in front of thirty thousand of your own fans, and then that your right. arch rival wins it, and a guy who was written out of the league is now the you know winning the Great Cup back to back. I, I could see the the mental stress of it. We could go the other direction here too, though, with Fajardo, where if Zach Caleros doesn't have that what we thought was season-ending injury in the, what the first game for the Riders, then we don't even know who Cody Fajardo is. He was a career backup for the most part before that. He's he's you know shown when he was uh, got that opportunity that year and got paid big bucks, and unfortunately has not been able to follow up quite to the same degree. Although I think he's I, I call an audible and see these offenses are even. You've convinced me. I'm gonna go Hamilton a slight edge here because the Alouettes do have the least offensive touchdowns in the CFL this season at 31. Hamilton only a little bit better at 35, but Montreal has done that with their starting quarterback in place for every week except two. I think Caleb Evans played in two weeks there. Uh, Hamilton has done that with Taylor Powell, their third-string quarterback, uh, who had never started before playing half the season and took him a little while to get going. So I think Ticat's offense has been on more of a roll lately. I really like James Butler. I really like Tim White, Terry Godwin. They, they added in Darrell Walker for some depth there as well, and they've got – Guys like Bayless stepping up. So I'll give a slight edge to Hamilton on offense. On defense, though, I will give a big nod to the Montreal Alouettes because they have been uh, in those games against these teams, shutting teams down really well. Uh, you know, I think I in games, besides that one outlier against the Elks, who really only put up 21 against them, I think Montreal has allowed 20 points or less against ev in every other game. Okay, maybe that's not true. Uh, Ottawa. Ottawa did score over 20. But a large chunk of their games and their average was below 20 there. So I think that defense has just stepped it up. They made the additions they needed to when they brought in guys like Darnell Sankey. They've got you know, Reggie Stubblefield stepped up as the – there, I think he was their rookie of the year nominee. Uh, I really like what Montreal has on defense, so I give them the edge there. Anybody uh, have a different take on the defensive side no. of the ball? Nope. Sure. Everybody's agreeing there on that one. So we'll move on to special teams. Uh, what do you guys think about the special teams side here, Mike? Uh, we'll go to you first. You got, uh, what is it, Tyreek McAllister returning kicks. For the tie Cats, you've got Mark Leggio doing the kicking over in Montreal. It's David Cote, it's Joseph Zima doing the punting, and uh, I believe it's James Letcher Jr. doing the punt returning right now, who might have, I think he has returned touchdowns in two straight games, at least one of them, but he's come in hot late season and in return for uh, Chandler Worthy. So uh, who are you thinking on special teams here, Mike? I take it as a split for the reason that you just mentioned. I think it's even. Uh, field goal kicking becomes very important in a game like this. Advantage Montreal. Kickoff returns and punt returns advantage Hamilton. That's why I'm calling this even. Mike's like a damn boxing judge with these split decisions and ties, man. <laughs> How did Tyson Fury win? Anyway, um, but, you know, uh, yeah, I agree with what Mike said. It's pretty even, and I could see 
and it's crazy. This game's probably going to come down to kicker making a clutch field goal or a big kick return or something because that's what always what happens, right? So, see, the problem I have with that is giving the edge to now. Are you giving the? I'm assuming you're giving the edge to Montreal in the kicking game because you're haunted by the past of Mark Leggio. But last season, when we were all giving Leggio a hard time, uh, he was still kicking around eighty percent. Uh, David Cote's at the worst average in the league at 75% kicking this year. That is not a good kicking average for Which, the hour. Do we have his, uh, do we have Cote's average from 40 plus? Uh, 40 plus. No, I don't have his average from that. Uh, but I don't think it's been great. Uh, as a guy who's had him rostered on his fantasy team, uh, for the whole season, pretty much. Uh, so and whereas Mark Leggio is actually had a pretty good year. He's kicked 87%. That's better than Rene Paradis finished on the season. So I'm going to I'm gonna give a nod to the Ticats a little bit on special teams here. Uh, but I think it's also close. And what about coaching? Uh, what do you guys think from the coaching standpoint? Orlando Steinauer on, and crew on one side. Is Danny Mack still the coach in Montreal? I don't know why I'm blanking on this. No, Danny Jason Machocha? Moss. Jason Moss. Duh, of course. Yes, Jason Moss, uh, the, the coach and his crew over in Montreal. Trey, what about coaching? Who do you give the edge to here? God damn it, man. You're going to make me do this. Because <laughs> every fiber in my being can't pick Jason Moss, right? But Coach O, historically, yes. Lately, yeesh, right? You know, his team is like, you know, if we're looking at records, Moss has a better team. So does that mean he's a better coach? I don't know. So I, let it, let it coach O's playoff record in non-Grey Cup games. Is it, is it good? I'm assuming. Well, they've gotten there many times. I guess so. He's gotten to two Grey Cups in three years. Yeah, just hadn't been able to win it against the team, but well, surprised a lot of people in nineteen and probably yeah, had one stolen I, from them in twenty. I'll be honest because we're gonna come to pick soon. I love Montreal. I love minus three and a half. I love everything about it. Couldn't tell you why. I couldn't honestly <laughs> tell you why. There's just some gut feeling I have that if there's one team that's gonna make an upset, it's gonna be Montreal, and I don't know why. But I got, I just, I think something's clicking right. I don't know if it's like, again, magic with the new ownership. I don't know if Fajardo's going to end up having a 400 yard game somewhere and doing something stupid. I don't know. I just think Coach O has lost a little bit of his flair or whatever he's done to get him to where he is. And I don't know what it is, but he, what, he proved me wrong. So I'm going to give it, his, I, I hate his, to say it, but I'll give it to Moss. His teams have always. His teams have always historically not started well, but finished well in the second half of every season. So, look, this is the coaching. Does this discussion change if Hamilton beats Winnipeg in one of those two great times? Probably. Probably. Which which they probably should have. They probably threw that one away in 21. See, I hate coaching because I think think a bad coach brings your team down more than a good coach elevates. If that makes That's sense, fair. you know what I mean. So, like, I think a good, talented team won't get, you know what I mean, could get brought crazy down by a bad coach. But a great coach, like, yeah, sure, Osh makes the bombers greater. But like, when he decides to move on and they replace him with someone decent, I don't think we're going to see a huge drop off if the talent remains the same. 
That's fair. Right. So that's what I mean. So I think that that's where I'm, I hate coaching because it's like some teams coaching doesn't matter. Some it does, some it doesn't. And I don't know. And Montreal, if you, if you don't like Jason Moss, I think they're proving that Montreal can say coaching doesn't matter. I'll say my answer here will be flip a coin and it depends what version of Jason Moss we get. He's done very good this year, but you know, this is the same guy that we've seen at times in past coaching, just abandon his running backs. And this is either, and this could either come down to the Alouettes are going to win this on some trick play that Jason Moss finds in the depths of the rule book somewhere, <laughs> uh, such as the onside punt or Maz is going to make a questionable decision to kick a field goal and they should go for a touchdown late in the game or something like that. That's going to cost him. He's done that several times before in his prior coaching jobs. Uh, I think it comes down to that. Let's get to our picks on this game. Montreal's three and a half point favorites. Uh, the over under is at 48 uh, in this game. And so what are you taking against the spread? What are you taking for the over under? And most importantly, who are you taking to win betting expert? Trey, you start. I, I said Montreal minus three and a half. I'll take them to win. I home. I almost said home field advantage, but that doesn't matter. Right, Mike? Uh, they, you know, I think they just got a lot going their way more than Hamilton. And there is nothing more I'm going to hate than a Bo Levi winning this great cup somehow and then he can retire with it i just don't want that to be the taste in our mouth right i i can just picture those stories who's the guy that does the great cup stories every year the name's blanking on me uh famous report he always does the great cup stories leading up to it and it's blanking on me uh but if i swear to god if he's doing one on Bo heading into it and this is his last hurrah to win it all i i ain't watching green day i ain't watching that game so i'll take montreal 48's a tough one mm. Because that's insinuating a what, a 24, 25, 23 game? Yeah. Do we have the weather in Montreal this weekend? I'll go over for now, but if it ends up being a crappy weather day, I'll change it. You guys? Mike, what do you think? I'm going Montreal, and I'm going sizably under. They're taking this thing to the mud. They're taking this thing to the trenches. It'll be a 17-13 victory for Montreal. I'm going to agree with you uh, on that one. I think we're all taking Montreal here. I, I I think you summed it up best, Trey. I'm taking Montreal, but like so many things in my head lean Hamilton. It's just that record is daunting. The 11-0 against these teams. Montreal steps up. They shut teams down. Their defense steps up big in games like this. And I think they're going to do the same See, thing here. I get what Mike says, too. It's really hard to beat a team four times. But then there's the other half of my head that says Montreal's beaten them three times. Why would I bet against that? You yeah. know what I mean? It's so hard it's, to go with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to take the under as well because but they again, the it, under. It's so hard to beat a team four times in a year or two. No, yeah. I know. I completely get that. But you can also see it when you put other perspectives and it's like if, if you said, hey, this team is. You know what I mean? What was Kansas City on like a 10 game winning streak against Denver and then they finally beat them, right? But like at some point it has to come to an end, but you never believe it's going to come to an end. Right. Right. I just saw a horse in Western Alberta and Alberta have 13 straight wins and it finally lost one. And it was just like, how the hell does it do that? But it has yeah. to happen, right? Like it's, it's wild. Yeah. It's like this show me a dead quarterback and I'll show you a dead coach and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah, show two of the three matchups. Show, show me a good goalie, and I'll show you a good hockey coach. Mm -hmm, for sure. 
two of the three matchups have hit the under so far this year. I think I'm taking the under again on that. Like Mike said, I think, and I just think the well, I'll, I'll, ch- I'll change mine to the under. I, I will change mine to the under. You guys. All right. And Adam did take Montreal. He didn't give picks against spread or the over under, but he is taking Montreal to advance. So we're all taking the Alouettes to go to the East final to face the Argos. We'll come back to uh, our full playoff predictions later. This is going to be a long one today, boys. Because uh, we got to move over to the West Division semifinal matchup, which uh, comes later in the day, Saturday, uh, November 4th, uh, part of the doubleheader there. We've got the 6-12 and 12 Calgary Stampeders coming into the playoffs uh, to face the BC Lions at 12-6, and 6, so their records are flipped. The line is uh, BC 6.5-point uh, favorites, over-unders at 50. We've had three games between these two teams this year. Back on, I believe, the season opening game, BC beat Calgary 25-15 in that one. The Lions also beat the Stamps 37-9 on August 12th. And then in a turn, uh, in a game nobody expected two weeks ago, the Stamps beat the Lions 41-16 on route to making their, their way into the playoffs. That was a huge win there for the Calgary to make the playoffs here. So we open it up uh, to major storylines. What is the big thing you guys are watching in this one? Uh, Who's got one first? Mike, you got your hand up. Mike wants to go first. Yeah, 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 yeah. Without giving away my pick, can Dave Dickinson and his offensive coordinator, whoever it is, his name is uh, escaping me at the minute. It's done by committee right now, I think. Can they get out of their own head and stick with what is successful? Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. With six wins, what's been successful? I'm curious. The running game. The Bombers couldn't stop it. BC couldn't stop it two weeks ago. For some reason, last week, they went away with it when they were averaging 10 yards a run, and I was having hideous nightmares, and it didn't meant nothing. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, memo over Calgary. But BC's got a pretty good run defense as well, don't they? Uh, They're allowing 99 yards a game, fourth best in the CFL. So it's a good matchup in the trenches uh, in terms of the run game there too, right? I guess it's what BC defense we get. Right, or is it the BC defense that's given up 15 or 9 against Calgary or the one that gave up 41? Right, so. Oh, that brings me back to, let me pull this up here. A uh, tweet I saw from Farhan Lalji uh, earlier this week uh, as well, uh, which is early in the season, the Lions defense was nuts. Like it was shutting everything down. It shut out the Elks twice uh, early in the season. But since August 1st, they are eighth in scoring, seventh in yards allowed, ninth in opponent first downs, eighth in second down conversions, eighth in takeaways, ninth in penalties. This has been a tale of two seasons for the Lions defense. And we've talked about this a little bit uh, with um, you know Matthew Betts toward pace to start the season. And then he dropped off in the middle and then he got it back together at the end and set the sack record there. Uh, we seem to have lost Trey. Hopefully we'll uh, get him back in here shortly. It looks like something may have gotten unplugged there, Trey. There we go. You're back. 
Yeah, I bumped my. I have this USB connector, and it's an old one, and it. I bumped it, and everything turned off. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so you know, BC's had some struggles down the stretch defensively here. So I think that's a very fair question you're asking of what version steps up and do they need their best version to step up against Calgary's offense is another question. Oh yeah. Calgary's still got some talent if they utilize it, right? Like Mike's saying with the run game and they have some pretty decent receivers is just they have to have a guy who can get the ball to those guys, right? Here's the thing. They need a second receiver who's not named Reggie Badleton to take the pressure off of Reggie Badleton. That might have been Marquis Bambles, but they need a double whammy at receiver, whereas BC has that Keon Hatcher, Lucky Whitehead, Justin McKinnis, and, 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 and down the list. Well, it's not Marquis Bambles anymore. He's in Winnipeg on the practice uh, roster uh, now. Mark and Michelle. Mark and Michelle. Martin Michelle, that's what I was trying to think of. And, yeah. and the other thing that's concerning to me, if, if I'm BC here, what kind of a running game do they have? You need to run the ball in the playoffs. Yeah, it should be. I think Taquan Mizell has been practicing, is probably going to be back in as the starting running back this week for them there. I mean, he's had a pretty solid season there for the Lions as well, but they definitely lean heavily on the passing game. For me, it's the battle in the trench, not in the trenches, but between the quarterbacks here is the big storyline in this game because Vernon Adams, MOP quality season, didn't get the division nod, but got the team nod. He's been battling an injury the last couple of weeks and really didn't look good in that game against Calgary two weeks ago. Um, You know, is he 100% healthy? How is he going to perform coming back into this playoff game? And this could be it for Jake Mayer in Calgary, right? Like if, if Mayer comes out flat in this game the stamps reasonably are they not looking potentially for another quarterback for next year no 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 they should but they won't no i don't think i don't think the talent is did around them to be honest i think you need better i think you need better talent around them before you can judge the quarterback that's just me i think i still think i think he's he can't be top five out of the starters from the beginning of the year, if everything was even, I can't. He's not type top five. So, but who agree. else can you replace him with? You're gonna go for Cornelius, unless you find some dime. Drew Brown. A lot of people talk about him, right? Now, no interceptions and what nine touchdowns in the time he's played. Yeah, it was some sort of CFL record yeah. uh, there. The thing with, I, I agree to some extent, Mike, because I think Mayer has been, some of his offensive struggles have come from his receivers just aren't catching the ball. Like some of when, them have been when, nicely thrown balls they're not catching, but also the majority of Mayer's throws are going six yards, right? Like he's not airing the ball out down the field. He's not making progress. And sure, okay, great completion, but now it's second and four, and then you're not converting on second down boom you're punting again and that's been their struggle all season long when calgary has a good team around jade mayor as we've seen in the bully by mitchell where i looked at looked at jade mayor as a backup <coughs> he looks at mop like mop candidate that's what his play when there was talent around him is why Bo is no longer there and why everybody said oh when jade takes over things will be okay not I just only. don't think it's worked out the way they they or I expected. I had him as my second highest ranked quarterback coming into the season. Uh, I, I mean, he's not in the top five. 
this is just an offensive regression for Calgary, and I think to to move on from a quarterback that you clearly decided you were going to commit to after this season because of one down year as a team is a big, big mistake. Now, part of the problem is he also, I believe, has said, don't quote me on this, I think he might have guaranteed money in his contract, so that might make it hard uh, for them to want to move on from him. And, yeah, I can subscribe to your theory to some extent there, Mike, about uh, about uh, you know bringing him back for another year. This, If they did move on from Merritt, this would be the first time I can think of in a long time that Calgary's moved on from a quarterback, not because he's been fantastic or they've had another great one waiting in the wing to take over the job, but that the quarterback just outright failed their expectations. I, I can't remember another recent case where the starter uh, has been in this situation because they've they've just succeeded and they found that depth where, yeah, if a guy moved on, it was because Mark, a guy like Bo was waiting in the wing. Marcus Crandall to Henry Burris. Yeah, but we're going back a ways away when we're talking about that still. So, Right, but I see your point there too. Yeah. So let's get into the matchups here. The uh, Let's start on offense here between these two teams. Is, is this a question? Like, uh, who has the edge on offense, Mike? Let's separate this. Let's hit the quarterbacks quarter out of this. Split decision. Who is oh, the better offense if we hit the quarterbacks? Vernon Adams. Who is the better offense if we if we put the quarterbacks in? Right? Is Jake Mayer in a troll for 400 yards? Is VA in a troll for 400 yards? That's going to change this whole dynamic. To me, this whole matchup is predicated on what the quarterbacks do. On paper, I think BC is the best offense if you want with the quarterbacks included. I mean, they are a pretty central part of the offense. So, yeah, I think we can just safely say BC has the best offense and move on. Then then BC, to me, had the advantage in the offense because Calgary, for whatever reason, refuses to run the ball. Any disagreement there, Trey? If I think I understand what I'm saying, no, (laughs) we're good. I think I think BC by far. I think I think still you have to look at the whole season. For most of the season, they had arguably like the second best offense in the league, fighting with Winnipeg. Winnipeg has maintained where BC dropped a little bit, so they still have the third best offense in the league, in my opinion. Right, the Montreal is not better than theirs. Uh, Hamilton's is not better than theirs, and there's no way Calgary's is better than theirs, right? Yeah, BC net offense, 371 yards, third in the league. Calgary, 321, eighth in the league. Uh, I do I do agree. The run, the run thing concerns me, but the one thing I will say, they are playing in a dome where you give the opportunity where VA could air out, but Mayer could air out too. You know what I mean? Running, running the ball in the playoffs is beneficial when we're going to have a, what, a minus 10 game next week here in Winnipeg. You know what I mean? Then the run game becomes a little bit more significant. I think like, I'm not saying it's not significant because I can tell Mike's going to want to argue with me about something, but it's, it's, but it's still significant. But when you have a dome where the AC or the temperature set to a balmy 25 degrees or whatever it is, I think you can get away with it potentially more. Unless, you know what I mean? A little bit. Yeah. Here's the big number to me that makes the difference on offense. BC, 35 passing touchdowns, Calgary, 19. Uh, 19 passing touchdowns in an 18-game season is just unacceptable, especially when we talk about their run game struggles. So 
Yeah, BC without a question. Edge on defense. Uh, where are we going here? I guess it depends on what version of the BC defense you get, right? Mm-hmm. Um, looking at the numbers, Calgary has given up the fourth most points in the league. BC is sixth. Uh, it's <coughs> fairly close, though. Um, yeah, what do you guys think on the defensive side of the ball? Uh, Trey? Give me BC's defense any day. I think that it. I, I, yes, they've been kind of Jek, uh, Jekyll and Hyde a little bit, but you know, Professor Hyde's pretty cool too, right? So, and and they're, you know, they're all pretty. I, I think it'll still work out for them. I, I just haven't been a fan of anything Calgary's done. Six wins, like it's a byproduct of a nine-team league, right? Where a six-win team, we're really going to sit here and say a six-win team. Has a, is a better chance than a 12 win team. It's just, it hurts my head every year. I know what happens, but it still hurts my head, right? Like, I know, Mike, you could go with the six win team. We've seen it, but it does hurt your head a little bit to say the six win team is going to beat the 12 win team. That's it. It's the CFL. Yeah, no, I get that 100%. I 100% get that. It happens in every sport where the eight seed beats the one seed. You know, we see it in, you know, every time, but it still hurts your head thinking about it where I'm like, Oh, how, is this, is this Calgary team who's won six games going to beat a team who's only lost six times? You know, it's kind of hard to concept. It, so I gotta it, go with it's, that, it's that almost, are we overfitting this more than we are? Yeah. I'm going to say it's a split decision on defense. I'm going to pull a mic here and say, statistically a lot is very even BC's up and down. Calgary has been more stable. And I think the Calgary defense has stepped up big time in the past couple of weeks to get them into the playoffs. And Cameron Judge has been the uh, a huge mm-hmm. piece there uh, that is getting hot at the right time of the year. So I, I got to give Calgary an edge in that, or a bit of a nod in that department. Uh, and I do like that what Richard is saying in our live chat, that turnovers are the great equalizer. And VA is known to throw some of those as well. Uh, Mike, what are you? do you give anyone an edge, or are you agreeing on the split decision on defense? I was going to say the split decision just because Michael Alway and uh, Cameron Judge can, can really carry a defense single-handedly. But to me, I think this is going to be different here. It's the linebackers of Calgary against the D-line of BC, the great cancellation. That's why I call it. Can- sorry, the great cancellation of good offense. Both very, very proven. That's why I call it a split right down the middle. All right, special teams. Rene Paradis on one side with Peyton Logan back uh, the last couple of weeks from injury to uh, handle returning kicks for Calgary. Uh, over on the BC side, you've got Sean White uh, and Terry Williams doing the kick returning there. Uh, Mike, uh, who do you give the edge on special teams? I like BC. I like Terry Williams to run one back in this game, and I like Sean, Sean White to make the big field goal by the time this thing is done. Trey, any any disagreement there? No, I see that, but I I think I you do have to give credit to Paredes, right? You know, if, if he does, he he probably will be if he will be involved if Calgary wins this, right? Yes, yeah, you know, I you know, think he'll be making 40, 50 yarders and keeping him in it. I think Calgary needs their special teams to step up more than BC does, yep. and that's kind of what you're getting at there. Um, I got to give the edge to BC shout out to Derek Taylor, a friend of the show. He's been on before, um, who, you know, the, the special teams player of the year nominees are Sean white out West and Javon leak out East. 
Uh, we kind of swept it when we talked about it last week that Leak deserves to run away with that reward based on his kick returning ability. But Derek Taylor on Twitter uh, has pointed out that Sean White, I think, has the best kicking percentage, the, like the best single season kicking percentage in CFL history or something like that. Uh, like he's having a historically impressive season uh, as a kicker. So I think that's huge in a game like this. I'm going to give the nod to BC kick returners. I think it's even maybe Logan gets, uh, gets them uh, a little more of a boost with fresh legs, but Williams pretty darn good too. Coaching Dave Dickinson and crew on one side, Rick Campbell and his crew on the other side. I give it to the lions. I, I love offense coordinator, Jordan Maximic. Wouldn't be surprised if he gets some calls for a head coaching position. Uh, I guess Saskatchewan's probably the only place with one up for grabs. But uh, I, I think he does a great job. I think Rick Campbell's done a great job with his team there. And offensive coordinator-wise for Calgary, it's been play calling by committee this year, and I have, don't feel like that's working out well. So I'll give the edge there. Uh, what do you guys think, Trey? No, I'll go with BC. Um, I wish I could be a fly at the wall at the Dickinson Christmas family gathering this year <laughs> with it. And I don't, I don't think Dave will lose his job, but like, let's say if he does, that'll be one heck of a Christmas to sit there and, and to enjoy. Right. But um, yeah, I got to go with BC um, this year, Mike. Yeah. I, I don't want to repeat myself based on what's already been said in this part of the discussion, so I'll just say I agree with everything that's been said. We agree, Mike? Wow. Mm-hmm. Talk to you guys enough time. Uh, it's okay. You've been. It's been a while since you've seen each other. Um, all right, picks for this game. Uh, we've got, uh, like I said earlier, BC is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under line is at 50 uh, on this game. And who are you taking against the spread to win and for the over-under, Trey? Oh, I hate the spread because all three games, the this, this spread has been beaten, even if with Calgary won, right? It's been a bigger than a touchdown game. Uh, I'll go – dang it, I'll go BC. I think – I really don't think Calgary is going to get the run game going like Mike – says they should they should i don't think they will i don't think paredes is going to put up 40 points for them to win right i don't think that's going to happen so i think it's going to be bc's game at minus six and a half um the over under oh this one's a tough one too because we've seen bc almost put that up themselves this year i'll go over in this one and i'll stick to it uh what do you guys got mike I had Calgary keeping this at less than six and a half, and I got under 50. Uh, I'm actually, pardon me, I'm just over with my score. Just over. I, I'm just add, I'm adding my numbers together here. Terrible mathematics. See, Mike's the one here who always gives the actual like score prediction, and credit yep. to him for that. I, I never go that far in my head. Um, I'm going to take BC to cover and win here. I just think they are the better team. I think that game that Calgary surprised them a couple weeks ago was maybe just BC looking a little bit ahead to the playoffs already and realizing they probably weren't going to pass the Bombers, uh, even though that's not a great mindset to have. 
Um, but they're well rested now. VA should be healthy. They're going to get the job done here in this game. I'll give it to the Lions uh, to cover. And over under 50. That line is so high. Um, and it's it's hard for me to hit that with, with Calgary not doing a whole ton offensively normally. So I think I'm going to go with the under, even though going the under on both games scares me. I hate betting the under, just a side note, like in football in general. Because it comes out flying four touchdowns in the first half, and it's just like, well, there's no chance. There's no interest from that perspective the rest of the way. You're cheering for points not to be scored. I find that I do that every Sunday. And it's not fun. Yeah, that's my thought as well. All right. Uh, And also Adam did pick BC to win as well. So this brings us to, to wrap it all up, let's do our full 2023 CFL playoff predictions. We've got, uh, did we all, so we all said BC was moving on, correct? Uh, No, I have Calgary. You have Calgary beating BC? I do, yeah. Okay. Mike's got Calgary beating BC. The rest of us have BC heading to Winnipeg. Out east, we all said Montreal. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, yeah. I think. So let's start out east with the east final. Montreal heading into Toronto. Uh, who do you guys got uh, in that game, uh, Mike? I got Toronto winning by two touchdowns in that game. Visited a trot record. Um, if Toronto doesn't make the great top, I will be absolutely shot and the whole season will be a complete waste for the Ardles. Trey, what do you think? Give me Swag Kelly, baby. <laughs> I'm going Toronto to win that one as well. Again, that stat for Montreal, 0-7 against those top teams in the league this year. And Toronto, you know, you can talk about the, the slow roll to the end of the season. You can talk about the round one bye. I know people sometimes talk about that. The Argos have managed to win every form of football game and every combination this year, pretty much. I am taking Toronto to go to the Great Cup as well. Adam's going to differ, though, and say Montreal is going to upset the Argos here uh, to go off to the Grey Cup out east. Out west, uh, Mike, let's start with you here because you're the only one to differ here and say Calgary is going to be different. So you have Calgary going to Winnipeg uh, out west. What do you think happens there? It doesn't change my result. Brady Oliveira runs wild in the West final, and Zach throws a couple touchdowns, and the Bombers didn't win the West. All right, so you've got uh, Winnipeg and Toronto in the Grey Cup for the rematch. Uh, Adam also has Winnipeg. So the rest of us have Winnipeg versus BC in the West final. Adam's got Winnipeg. I'm taking Winnipeg uh, to beat the Lions. I said this a couple of weeks ago. The second the Lions lost the chance to that that they when they lost that game in October to the Bombers and lost their you know solid chance at first in the West, the Lions lost their season. Was my take because they are a much better team at home than they are on the road. The Bombers are a much better team at home than they are on the road. The Bombers are terrible on the road this season. They're at home. The Lions have to come to IG Field. I don't care what you say about uh, home field advantage not mattering in football, Trey. I think you're wrong. I think I'm right. I think I'm taking the Bombers to go back to the Grey Cup here. What do you think? I took BC in the beginning of the year, didn't I? In the same way we had this exact same talk. You did. 
Oh, man. All I know is if Clarissa's one pick, I'm ripping up my season tickets next year. I'm not doing it, man. I'm not doing this for a whole other year. But uh, what, did he throw four last year? I guess he got the win, so maybe he could throw three or four. Um, you know, I do think Oliveira surprised me this year. So I, I do – Richard said in the chat, Mike said it on the show – They'll be a team that runs it to Oliveira 20, 25, 30 times. Dembski will get it 10 times. And, you know, I think Winnipeg will manage the clock and win it that way. See, this is one I wish we had in the Dome because I think it would be a completely different game. But, you know. Yeah, I do like uh, what what uh, was put in the chat here. BC wins and tell them what they win. A trip to the tundra where Winnipeg slowly and boringly runs all over them. That is the Winnipeg game plan. Get the lead, run down the clock in the fourth quarter. So I think we're we're on the same page. So we all have Winnipeg going to the Grey Cup out west. We all have, the three of us have Toronto going from out east. Adam's the only one differing with Montreal uh, going to the Grey Cup. So Winnipeg-Toronto rematch. Who do you guys have? Trey, I think I might know where you're going, but uh, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, man. My finger, this ring's getting kind of lonely. I think it wants another one. You hit the microphone amidst that all. Hello. There you go. Argos, if you didn't hear it. All right, you're taking the Argos. Uh, Mike, what about you? Revenge is best served on a cold dish. So, uh, the bomber catcher, Sergio Castilla, made amends for Mark Lightyear's mistake, and the bombers walk off the Argos in the Great Cup. <laughs> I'm going with the Argos in this one. They are the better football team. And we look, it's going to be this rematch. We're going to talk again, like we do every year, historically good football team, 15 and 3, 16 and 2 season, but it all comes crashing down. Like I said earlier, the Argos are a team. I don't believe anything you, uh, anybody says about this being a team that is going to have a bad day and come crashing down. They've had a terrible pass defense all season long and have throttled the majority of teams they've played. They've gotten it done with their backups in place. They have some stars, but it's just a solid cast across the board. If one guy doesn't step up, like their victory is not hinging on the play of one player necessarily. Uh, so I'm going to take the Argos to, to repeat as great cup champs and cap the historic season. I feel better about them than I did about a 15-3 and three Bombers team last year, than I did about the Ticats after their strong season uh, when they lost that great cup. I feel really good about the Sargos team, so I'm going to take them to win as well. Uh, so that's two for the Argos, one for the Bombers, and one for the Montreal Alouettes, because Adam has taken the Alouettes to go all the way on to beat Winnipeg in the great cup uh, and take it back to Quebec. I have a question. Does this have anything to do with your former OC and your former quarterback looking to stitch it to the team but left them go? Oh, 100%. I can't. 100%, man. <laughs> if, that's, the, that's the one reason why I bet on Montreal earlier in the offseason because I was like, oh, Fajardo winning would just piss off every Ryder fan. But It's true. It is true. Maybe that should have been the best storyline for the league. Uh, Tap Montreal. Go you, on. You, hey, 
At least I'm not the one voting for chaos and starting chaos tonight. That that title belongs to Adam tonight. So I'm yeah, you've been you've been relatively tame tonight, Mike. It's kind of concerning. You know, a little rusty. We got to break off that rust. We'll get the big predictions next week. Uh, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, right? when I'm 0-4 on every prediction, and Richard said that time in 0-2. Goodbye. <laughs> it's true. It's true. All right, that's our playoff preview. Uh, let's get into wrapping things up here. By the way, no fantasy talk on this week's uh, podcast, I guess I should mention, because the CFL fantasy site does not have playoffs this year. It is officially wrapped up at the end of the regular season, which sad to see the fantasy season end. Not going to lie, very happy it's over from the preparation for this podcast standpoint. I feel like I can get a chunk of my life back, so that's exciting. Uh, to not have to go through those stat, uh, mind those stats every week, but it's been a lot of fun doing so all season long. All of our leagues have wrapped up now, including our draft league. Mike, uh, you and I heading into—I got to throw this in here. I got to celebrate heading into the final week. Zero point three point difference between yourself and myself, and uh, I did come out victorious. Back to back champs, baby, just like the Argos will be this year. Bat to bat champ, but I think I showed some tints in the armor. So the three feet will be a big, big challenge. Now nah, we're going to run it back again uh, next year. Trey finished third, Adam finished fourth, uh, but gearing up uh, for the Keeper League for next year. We'll see what next year's draft brings and what new rules we'll put in place for all of that. Well, let's focus on the playoffs for this season. And uh, over the next couple of weeks, we'll continue with our shows in the same format we're doing now. We'll go through storylines. We'll go through the matchups, make our picks and all of that fun stuff as well. Uh, let me get the social media slides up on our video screens here. There we go. Um, and we will. Did I hit my microphone or am I good? You're good. Okay, there we go. Um, yeah, we'll be back again next week with our division final preview show. We'll talk about the two matchups left at that point in the same regard. Um, if you want to catch anything else where we've got going on in between, you can follow us on social media as well, at CF Countdown Pod on Twitter, facebook.com slash CF Countdown Pod as well. Um, I'm on Twitter at Cooper Trooper 42. Adam is there at Adam Stewart 1. Trey, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Trey Harness Link. I probably won't be doing much typing because I've been look. I've never had stitches before. This is intriguing to look at. I took the bandaid off <laughs> mid show, and this is really, I, it's really weird. I feel like that movie Coraline getting stitched up. Man, I don't like that. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, everything heals nicely there for you. If I get, uh, a, if I get a scar, I'll shark bite. You know, to the ladies, so it's okay. <laughs> I, I'm kidding, babe. Chill out. Sorry. <laughs> oh, Trey. Uh, I'm sleeping um, on the couch tonight. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mike. Where can people find everything you've got going on? Um, on on ads, I guess at my channel. I just call it Twitter, but that's the ads. Um. And then uh, Facebook.com, BassBash, uh, Game Time TV, MB, uh, terrific first month of the season. Um, yeah, just some really cool stuff going on. Um, I know that you two know some of the news that has already come out this week. 
Um, can't wait to share that further publicly. Um, post some of the charitable work I've been doing. Uh, hence why I've been away from this show for as long as I have. Uh, getting everything from my season set up and all that kind of stuff. Um, but no, it's great to be back. Uh, you can debate the age-old on IR till the playoffs and comes off and it's perfectly fine. Well, I think uh, tonight's show better have a little bit of rust to shake off. And uh, we'll try this again uh, next Wednesday, or hopefully I'm not nearly as rusty. Ah, you did great tonight, Mike. In true Mike form, uh, you, you're good. Uh, I do like uh, the question here from Richard. Is Mike on the show enough to qualify for the draft league? Look, Mike always has the, the honorary spot in there. Um, and mostly just because I need somebody to have competition with because Trey and Adam's track record the last two years. Oh, <laughs> oh that's the ultimate throw under the bus. I'm fine. You have a response? It's still, it's still the second worst cut of the day, man. That's okay, man. <laughs> like, it's all good. That's all jokes side folks. Of course. Uh, make sure you check out all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network as well at CF Pod Network on X. Um, what else do we have here? Check out the Discord community link in the description if you want to join that. Chat with us between episodes there as well. Uh, whatever podcast platform you are listening on, we appreciate it if you do the fun things such as like, um, subscribe, rate, review, share the show with your friends, help us grow the show. We always appreciate that. Enjoy the beginning of the CFL playoffs this weekend. Should note also, I believe the time change, daylight savings time, is this weekend as well. So uh, make sure you tune in next week's show accordingly uh, at your adjusted Everybody time. Everybody but Adam switches time zones in Canada. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll all line up on time a little bit there. Uh, so, But we'll be back to 10.30 p.m. Eastern time next Wednesday for another playoff preview episode. In the meantime, enjoy the games. On behalf of Mike and Trey, I'm Ryan saying thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one.